I'm Shiloh. I'm Amelia. And this is Plead the Belly, a podcast about women and the crimes they commit. Pleading the belly is a practice from early English common law where women could claim they were pregnant to avoid execution. This podcast contains explicit and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. I have a story. I really want to hear it. That sounded fake. (laughs) Oh, I meant it though. (laughs) So we saw friends recently and I forget that people I know listen to this podcast. Yeah, I have that problem too. They told us all these stories that they knew about me because then they were like, oh, you were doing blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how do you know that we haven't seen you in like forever, like months? And they're like, oh, we listened to your podcast. So anyway, that was a shock. But then they were also, they were watching something and a woman was pregnant. And so she was saying she shouldn't be convicted because of it. And they were like, we know what that is. (laughs) So it was really sweet because I was like, oh my God, our podcast taught people things. Yay. I love that. My cousin and his wife are having a baby and my cousin was like, so she can't be convicted of a crime. I was like, no, she can't be executed for a crime. In ye old English time. Yeah. Also, I mean, I don't think they'd like kill a pregnant woman now either, but. I sure hope not. I Let's not get into whether or not we think That's that'll happen now. Story. We're just not going to tease for yeah. that way. But the point is, I forget that we, I forget that people listen to this at all. And I'm really <laughs> grateful that people do, but. I forget that I'm not just talking to you sometimes. <laughs> I know. It's is it's nice though, because I was thinking about like if you do this by yourself, you're like talking to a wall. Yeah. And it's like for me, before doing the podcast, I had mostly like done maybe like stand-up or like professional speaking or something. So I'm used to a whole group of people and you see the people you're talking to. But now it's always like these weird like, oh yeah, it's like I'm there, but I'm not there. Like my mm. friend texted me this morning. She's like, I just tripped out because I'm listening to Plead the Belly and I was texting you and my brain was like, dude, she's right here. And I was like... <laughs> You need to sleep more. That's funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have a little thing and I don't know, maybe this is not cool, but I just want to point out that in uh, episode 25, when we covered Alice Marie Johnson, we had put a pig sound effect and you don't have to remember. It's okay. Amelia's giving me this puzzled <laughs> face, but there. In the pig sound effect that I found, it was actually recorded by someone at the Minnesota State Fair, and that's the man's voice, like, talking to the pig. (laughs) And that's why I chose it, because I was like, we're from Minnesota, and it's a pig from the Minnesota State Fair. This is perfect. That's fine. But I just wanted to point out that little detail, because I thought it was pretty interesting. Neato. That's a... I mean, gosh... Am I getting old that I'm like, and this is from my hometown. No, I love Minnesota. Pig from this hometown. I'm wearing a Minnesota shirt today. You are, and I noticed. Yeah. Definitely I, before you told me. <laughs> I was talking to friends who don't live in Minnesota, which I'm sorry, folks, if you don't live here. But they were like, you really like your state because they saw my, I have a Minnesota tattoo. And I was like, yeah, it's not uncommon like i know like half a dozen other people who have minnesota tattoos and they're like i don't know anyone with a tattoo from my state and i'm like have you been to texas sucks <laughs> i feel like you go places like texas and everyone's like texas you know it's yeah like minnesota's kind of like that everyone who lives here is like minnesota yeah we really like it it is that's why we live here yeah it's true i'm i like my state 
So, <laughs> should I jump in? I didn't know if you had more to say. Not really. I'll just do the regular announcements. Hey, everybody, we have a Patreon, and you should sign up for it. That's my pitch. Um, don't forget to leave a review. You can always hang out with us on Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr. Are you still doing the Tumblr? It's, it exists. We have a Tumblr that exists. It's up. Um, and you can send us emails, and we like to hear from you. And don't forget to rate us and tell your friends. And you guys should really, really rate us. Please. It helps so much. And a lot of you have, but most of you haven't. Call out. (laughs) Call out hours. Did that sound douchey? No. I don't, like, you know how some people can't hear if they're loud? I can't hear if I'm douchey. You know what I mean? (laughs) uh, Yeah, I know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Are you still doing our little spiels of the ladies? Uh, yeah, but I didn't. <laughs> no, I'm just going to kick us off. We got to just introduce her with like the banking babe. She's a con artist. A I like con, con artist. Well, yeah. I wanted to be a con artist and my husband told me no. You. <laughs> Your husband <laughs> is this wonderful <laughs> safety net for our society it's so true and your interaction with society <laughs> there's so many things you want to do that he just I really helps you understand is not a good idea he is thank god for my helpful husband you i mean oh, i want to start a cult you want to be a con artist but my thing with cults is i always want to start a cult but i want to be like honest and transparent about it and i feel like that's just a company why don't you just let me worry about that part? See, and I don't trust you that much. <laughs> See, that's where it's not going to work. Because I know you well enough not to just give you the reins. <laughs> Shucks. Well, no cult. Just cons. Because today we're talking about... See, no, that was a good... Inter- I'm just worried that people aren't going to sign up for Patreon if they think that you're a con artist. But Or even an aspiring con artist. I don't... Okay, Shiloh controls all the Patreon money. So even if I wanted to misuse the funds, I can't. And Shiloh can't lie for shit. Nah. <laughs> I'm sorry. So <laughs> so don't worry. You're, the money that you give us from Patreon is safe and sound. So today we're talking about <laughs> Cassie Chadwick. <laughs> what? I've just never listened to a podcast that has to like... Backpedal as much as we do. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know. That's what people like. I hope. Uh, I let hope us so. know what tell you us like what about you like. us. Leave tell a review. Us, tell us why you still listen. Leave us a review. Tell your friends. And All don't right. just say it's because we guilt you into it. All right. Today's con artist. Today's leading lady. The leading Cassie lady. Cassie Chadwick. So, Cassie was born in 1857 as Elizabeth Bigley in eastwood ontario canada bigly yeah it's not my fault that's the name <laughs> of the place love it so um i don't know why she changed her name to cassie chadwick well i have a guess <laughs> as you'll find out the more i talk at 14 year at 14 years old chadwick went to woodstock which is also in ontario canada and she opened a bank account using suspicious letters from an unknown english uncle and some cash so while she was there, she succeeded in paying um, around town with dozens of useless checks. And I love this. This is like the best intro you could ask for for Cassie because she's 14 and she's like 
time to start conning people. So she just goes to a bank and opens a bank account with no information. And I love it because I just I really admire that. <laughs> I, I really like her. So I'm going to say this before. I don't. There's a lot of cons that she pulled, but there's none. None of her early life is in great detail. And I think that that is sad because I really would like to hear more about the rest of these. It sounds like you could fill in the blanks if you want. <laughs> like this is going to be your historical fiction novel. <sighs> it is. It's okay. Sure. Yeah. I like her. <laughs> All right. In 1870s, the authorities discovered her scheme and they arrested her for forgery. However, she managed to escape conviction because she was a minor and she pled mentally ill. So another case, much like Lizzie Borden, where I think being a woman helped her because they're like, oh, you must be stupid. You didn't mean to do this. And she's like, I'm very stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I just... In today's context, the whole idea of, like, writing bad checks is so much shame. Like, it's pretty much, like, that makes you look, like, really trashy. And I I just, this is great. She's just living it up. Yeah. She's just owning it. This 14-year-old is, like, it's fine. All right. She's, like, the cool kid. Writing bad checks was, what year are we talking about here? 1870. It was the 1870 version of Smoking Under the Bleachers. (laughs) Yeah. Look at this check. So she lays low for a little bit. And then at 22, she was arrested in Woodstock again for forgery again. But she escaped conviction again on the grounds of insanity. Is forgery a felony? It depends on how much you forge. Okay. It can be a felony. So after that, so in 1875, she moves to the U.S. to live with her sister. Uh, in 1882, she married Dr. Wallace S. Springsteen of Cleveland. But uh, after 11 days, he threw her out of the house because he found out about her forgery background. <laughs> so she's like, that's fine. Oh, my God. This feels like a reality show, but like from the 1800s. She's so cool, you guys. <laughs> I really. <laughs> um, but. Not so he he eventually threw her out, but not before he paid off all of her debt. Ooh, what a nice guy. Yeah. See, that's what I wanted to marry. (laughs) Damn it. Why'd you marry for love? I don't know. (laughs) So she got thrown out. So she was like, that's fine. She became a fortune teller known as Lydia Scott. In which we all know from previous episodes, fortune tellers are the should be. What am I trying to say? I have no idea. It was going to be really funny. Just pretend you're laughing, everyone. I'll cut it. (laughs) She became a fortune teller in 1886, and in 1887, she assumed the name Madame Lydia DeVere, which I love. Um, And so, like any good aspiring small business owner, she wanted to open a shop. So uh-huh. she went to the bank and got a loan and she got the money for that loan or the collateral by pawning all of her sister's furniture. Oh, that's classy. That yeah. is, you're sitting here like, <laughs> I just see like, now I can see in you what you see in me when we talk about cults. You are so excited. I, like the idea of pawning your sister's <laughs> furniture just makes you so happy. I mean, I wouldn't pawn my sister's furniture, but the idea of someone... Going to a bank and being like, here's a chair, give me money. Yeah. It's pretty appealing. All right. 
so she got married again to this time to John R. Scott, who was a farmer from Ohio. The marriage lasted only a short amount of time and she sued him for adultery and then got divorced. You can do that. You could. You can't anymore. Oh. Um, then in 18... 1897, so a couple years later, she married Dr. Leroy Chadwick, who apparently knew nothing of her criminal activities. Um, And she introduced herself to him as Mrs. Hoover, a humble (laughs) woman that owned a boarding house. But the doctor was like, I know what boarding house means. It means you own a brothel. And she apparently pretended to be like super offended by this. And she's like, how dare you say I own a brothel? I would never own a brothel. But then he still married her. So I don't know. Um, all this is happening. She's still like going around and forging documents and stuff, marrying people. In 1889, she was sentenced to nine and a half years in the state penitentiary for forgery. And then four years later, she was paroled because of the then governor. Um, and then she went back to Cleveland and, oh, I messed that timeline up. You did, but it's okay. Okay. She got arrested, went to jail for four, for, it was supposed to be nine and a half years. It was actually only four years. Then she was paroled. I don't know why she was paroled, because again, there's like disturbingly, there's annoyingly little evidence about her early life. She was paroled, and then she went and married Dr. Leroy Chadwick. That's all I have. In 1897, she married Dr. Leroy Chadwick, who knew nothing of her criminal activities. (laughs) So this guy... I just, I feel for him. He, like, we know, I know nothing about him. I didn't get any research on him. But just (laughs) going off of what I'm about to tell you, (laughs) I just think he was duped. Yeah, he just, I don't know. Um, So they got married in 1897. um, And he was highly respected in his community, which is obviously why she married him. She had a son. Mm-hmm. And his name was Emil Hoover. And he was in the care of one of the women at the brothel. It's unclear whether Dr. Chadwick knew about this or not. But oh. judging by everything, if he did know about it, it just seems like he was like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> it happens. So um, the couple lived on Euclid Avenue in Cleveland, which is known as Millionaire's Row. Like, this is the spot to be. Dr. Chadwick was held in high regard by the community, but Mrs. Chadwick was thought to be curious and vain and would ask, and I don't know what this means, but this is what the internet said, Hmm. would ask to buy favors of some of the wealthiest families in the nation. Or the favor. Asked to buy the favor. What does that mean, to buy the favors? So I think it means like she wanted to like be on their good side and she was just going to like with money buy her way into it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she was. Yeah. That's what, Oh, I read it as something else. <laughs> you thought it was like actual favors. Cause I read like, it by favors? favors, but then I looked closer just now as we were speaking and saw the favors and ah. that's a little different. Anyway, she was a shady bitch. Um, in 18... She's my idol. Be nicer. <laughs> oh, Amelia just gave me a look like, I'm sorry. I feel... I'm not... I'm worried for myself. So... 
So in between 1897 and 1905, Chadwick borrowed large amounts of money from banks in Cleveland, but also from lots of other places. Like she just got around and took out all these loans. Um, and interesting how, so she ran out of her sister's furniture. There's only so much furniture you can collateral. She was able to convince bankers to give her these large loans by convincing them that she was Andrew Carnegie's illegitimate child and that he was riddled with guilt and had given her all this money and these promissory notes uh, because he just felt so bad that she wasn't a legitimate child. And Amelia has a little tidbit on who Andrew Carnegie is. <laughs> Andrew Carnegie was a was well known for railroad work in the 1900s so he was the like helped lead the expansion of the american steel industry um so carnegie hall carnegie railroad big dude he was also the third most wealthiest figure of that time period holy moly yeah so and people believe this yeah clearly the whole time i was researching this i was like if someone came to me and told me they were like, for example, Beyonce's illegitimate child and they had all this promised money to them, but they needed a loan. <laughs> like if you're Andrew Carnegie's daughter, why do you need a loan? Because you're the illegitimate child, so you don't get any of his money. But she's claiming that she will. Or he. I don't know. I just love that it worked. It worked. They kept giving her money. <laughs> That's right. You look so serious. She, I love, like, way to aim high. Like, dude, she didn't even fuck around. She no. was just, it's like, you just have to commit to the she character. She didn't pick, like, the 15th wealthiest person. Nah, she was like, Andrew Carnegie or bust. So how did she convince these bankers that she's Andrew Carnegie's illegitimate daughter? She had a really, um... She thought it through. She had an interesting ploy here. So she asked one of her husband's acquaintances, who happened to be a lawyer, um, to take her to the home of Andrew Carnegie. She went in and had a meeting. Really what she did was she met with the maid. But when she came out, she accidentally dropped a forged promissory note from Andrew Carnegie. And she said, oops, I dropped something. And this lawyer who had, like, brought her there on behalf of her husband was like, oh my, is that a promissory <laughs> note from Andrew Carnegie for $2 million? I I love her. So she, she like this. set it up. Yeah. So she had a witness to be like, yeah, I was sitting with her at Andrew Carnegie's house and she came out with a promissory note. And all she needed to like pull this off was some like fancy paper. I also read like somewhere and I don't know that I, I don't know that I read this correctly. And I also don't know that this was true, but that in one of her interactions with a banker she sat there and wrote the promissory note in front of the banker and he's like is this real and she was like did you not just watch me write it of course it's real i really just wrote it oh my god <laughs> and ended up securing the loan i just you're right she's great <laughs> so um she accumulated over a million. Okay, so here's the thing, you guys. The numbers are going to vary. First, it's like she's she ended up with over a million dollars in debt. And then it's like somehow she ended up with like 10 million. I don't know. The numbers are all over the place. But it's a lot. Like, she got a lot of money out of this. I just love it because all she had to do was buy paper and find out what his stationery looked like. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it's true. 
And then, I mean, it's, I just, I think it's like, we could never pull this off now. No. There's no I way. I think this is like a historical crime. Because wouldn't someone now at the bank, I mean, I hope like my bank, if I'd someone was like, your PayPal, I'm Amelia's daughter, would like call me and be like, someone says that I owe them money because they're your illegitimate Well, you wouldn't child. be able to do that. It, it You'd have to hack. Yeah. And then you have to cover your traces while you're hacking it. And but yeah, have to know in how the to do early it. 1900s, she was like, I don't know, I dropped a promissory note. That looked real. You know what she's like, and we're going to cover this person eventually. The person who just got in trouble for pretending to be rich. Yes. That's, That's a, a little foreshadow for you all. story. Anyway. For, I know exactly who you mean, though. And I know who you mean. Um, so <laughs> hopefully we mean the same person. <laughs> so in November of 1904, she received... $190,000 in loans from a banker by the last name of Newton in Brookline, Massachusetts. And then Newton, this guy Newton, found out that she had these other loans and got pissed and was like, oh my God. And then he was, but then he like wanted her to pay him Newton. back. But she couldn't pay it back. Um, I love that she was like married to a doctor and wealthy anyway, but she was like, mm-mm. Not just enough. not enough. Not I enough, have man. to keep doing this. Um, so now, so then it was like at this time, they're guessing that she had $5 million in debt. And it was just, um, this is like, so this banker sued her. And then all of a sudden, this lawsuit, all these other banks are like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the, the Cleveland banking community, which she had milked dry, really got pissed. And I want to talk about the Citizens National Bank of Oberlin, because this story is just, just bizarre how she, how she did this all. So when she went to the Oberlin Bank, she met with the president. So the people in the bank involved are the president and then like a cashier. And she met with the pr- president and convinced her that she was Carnegie's daughter, which we talked about. And this is how she did. She invited, it was this whole drama. She invited these people to her home on Euclid Avenue, which is this rich neighborhood to her big, rich home. Yeah. And then she would bring them upstairs and show them this picture on a wall. She'd bring them all the way there just to bring them upstairs, show them this picture on the wall of her late uncle or something. Okay. Alleged uncle. And the story she would and then she would like tell them this dramatic story of this man being her uncle who kept her family supplied with money and when he was on his deathbed, that's how she found out that she was related to Carnegie. It was I like his her. dying last wish to tell her that I, she was related to I'm Carnegie. I'm so proud of her. And then and then the proof you go girl. The proof <laughs> The proof of all this was of course located in a safety deposit box. In New York, and she could not access this by herself, right? Because this other person had access to the safety deposit box. But as it turns out, and I forgot uh, to tell you this, that makes sense. That makes sense. I buy she, that. When she was with her husband's friends, the lawyer, yeah, um, I believe that's when they went to New York to set up the safety deposit box. So she set it she set it up like there so was a real the box. So then the lawyer so like the lawyer saw her go into Carnegie's house. Yeah. And that's like the step 1. Yeah, so she has like this witness of oh see I came out but then I believe they also went to 
She's like a one woman's Ocean's 8. Dude, she's just like, I mean, she is setting all the threads for this. So she's just like pulling on these heartstrings, of course, because bankers love giving out their money. (laughs) I don't understand that. Where she's like, oh, my late uncle. I don't know. You're loving this, but I'm like, you guys. (laughs) You guys. (laughs) This is like the point, right? Where like, they're like, well, she's a woman. Why would she lie? Carnegie's obviously like a bad guy for abandoning her. Like, I feel like that's what all the bankers thought. Yeah. So they were like, oh, this poor woman just wants what's due to her. And da 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 da. And she was like, yes, exactly. Yep. So she did not re- 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 reveal the name of the bank, of course, mm-hmm. where the safety deposit box, wa- box was, but insisted that because of this relationship, she was a- going to inherit a very large estate. And yeah, I found the part in my notes where it was that the lawyer's friend who arranged the safety deposit box for her documents that she had like gotten in. And now on this source, it's talking about $7 million of promissory notes tucked away from her Cleveland home that was in that she was to inherit somewhere. Like she was claiming she would inherit $400 million. Like, okay, wow. if I came to you and I said, you guys, I'm going to inherit $400 million. I need a loan. No, you told me the fuck off. That's I mean, what you tell me. If you told it to me in front of a picture of your dead uncle and you cried. If I cry, you'll give me money. <laughs> I've never seen you cry. Maybe. How mm. pitiful do you look? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she had this huge play. She made the bankers believe um, that... The estate was in the hands of three trustees, and one of them was named Baldwin. So this name, she made this person up. This guy doesn't exist. So the president of the bank named Chad, his his na- last name was Chadwick, um, claimed... Him too? Or no, he had a different name that was similar. Okay. Man, Beckwith. I don't mm. know. There's a lot of C's and K's in these names, you guys. <laughs> these Easterners. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Oh, She's that. from Canada. That's right. So <laughs> I'm going to hate myself so bad for this. And you just, I think you're just trying to make it worse. <laughs> it's not my fault that your notes are all messed up. That one's all you. That is my fault. I'll give you that. So anyway, Chadwick claimed she could only get a hold of the money through this made up guy named Baldwin. Um, and they were, but she would like give him like, as if, like, literally, it's like having a trust fund. She would give him, like, a yearly whatever, what you call yeah. it, allowance income stipend? of $750,000. Oh. You guys, I didn't translate this into today's money. This is a lot of money back it's then. You can imagine. It's a lot. So um, the bankers made many attempts to get in touch with Baldwin and is believed yeah, so he was completely made up. No one could get a hold of him. No one knew where he was. There was no... And here's the thing. I was, like, you know, visualizing this, them trying to get a hold of him. And I'm thinking about, like, today. I'm, like, on your social media. I am tracking you down. I'm, like, looking up cell phone numbers. I'm, like, following you around. I'm trying to get a hold of you. But in the 1800s, like... You, like, send a you telegram send a and hope. note. Yeah. <laughs> and then someone can just like, I mean, there's no, I just like, I feel like the there's weight. There's no read receipt. The weight people have is nothing. Like, it's just like, yeah. oh, you sent him a letter. Anyway, it just doesn't feel like they're strong arming that hard. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, 
So Chadwick convinced them, okay, we'll go to New York. We'll meet with this guy. We'll look in the safety deposit box. They had already given her the loan from this Oberlin bank at this point. Oh the issue is that the that she had convinced this cashier and the president of the bank to give her this huge loan. And then the other directors of the banks were like, WTF, we have no <laughs> cash to pay out dividends to our customers who have like legitimate financial products with us. We have no cash and we're a bank <laughs> because you gave all of our cash to this person who compl- who convinced you that she has all this money. Yeah. Like it's just I'm just mind boggled. You're you're fangirling and I'm just sitting over here like I just want to slap them in the face and be like, come on, you guys. I love that like <laughs> this is too much for you, but you read about like cults and stuff and you're like, yes, this sounds legit. I just, yeah. it's really funny. There are differences here. <laughs> like, anyway, where I'm like, people would totally believe this. And you're you like, know what why? It is? It's the, she has so much gall. Just yeah. to, like, I admire that. Look at this gumption. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. She, I, okay. Here's what I love about her. She's just stringing them along. So she organizes this trip. The president of the bank and her, they're yeah. all going to New York to meet this man she made up. And to get into she's this... She's just leaned in. Safety deposit into it. I don't think this is what leaning in is. I have... This is not what it means to lean in. Empower yourself. Get your own. Get what's coming to you. They took a trip to New York to see the papers, the proof for all this, which I don't know how seeing this proof is going to help them get their cash back. <laughs> so they met up at Chadwick at the super fancy hotel and then the day after they arrived, they were told by a lawyer that the papers were actually at the hands of Dr. Leroy Chadwick back in Cleveland. Oh. So she's just like, oh, my God, she's stringing them here. She's, she got them all the way out there. And traveling to New York wasn't just like hopping a plane or whatever. Yeah. It's like you got to get a train or it's a horse a or like walk there. I don't know. So Walk there. <laughs> so they found out as they're like – Oh my God, we came all the way to New York and she actually has the papers at her house. Obviously, they know they're being duped by now. They're really pissed off. They find out about this other bank in Pittsburgh, which we haven't even talked about yet, that she had. So she had granted this bank in Pittsburgh the power of attorney to to become the trustee over her inherited estate. But the inherited estate isn't real, so they're the trustees over nothing. (laughs) <laughs> in order for the bank in Oberlin to get a payment from her, the debts to the Pittsburgh bank would have to be settled. Because I guess having the power of attorney, I don't understand. It means they get paid first, yeah. maybe. They just, I don't know. The Pittsburgh bank demanded $750,000 to settle, but later they they agreed to $500,000. Um, so... <clears throat> Beckwith, the president of the Oberlin Bank, was like, this is all about a bluff. This is just a distraction. But, like, she did that. She conned all the banks. And then she, like, pitted the banks against each other. She's which is super smart because then they're like, I'm in this, like, legal tie-up with this bank in Pittsburgh when I should be really mad that you took all my money and didn't give it back. <laughs> so she started asking... Okay, so the director's are now putting the pressure on the president. They're like, what the fuck? Um, and so they're like, okay, we, you guys, we all just need to meet up. If we just meet up, we can we can sort this out. So they hosted a conference at the Chadwick's home on Euclid Avenue. Uh. Um, 
And they brought, so they had the president. she's sweating at this point? Do you think she's worried? she's just like, whatever. I'm just going to circle and circle and circle until they get dizzy. (laughs) It's worked so far. That's all she wants to do. So they meet up at her house. The president is there. And then there's like this judge there, but he was like introduced as her lawyer. Um, And... In perfect fashion, she just creates this huge drama. Like, all these people are scheduled to be at her house. They arrive at her house. And now she has the servants going in like, oh, excuse me, Mrs. Chadwick had to take a call. Or excuse me, Mrs. Chadwick has to deal with this. Oh, my God. And over, like, I mean, they sat there forever. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was a point where the president of the bank was like, I'm going to kill myself. And he had a revolver and a bottle of poison. Oh. <laughs> and he was about to kill him. I thought you him. were exaggerating. No. Like how we, like, how millennials are like. I'll no. Just... He was going to kill himself oh. because he gave her a ridiculous oh. amount of money and his life was over. Like, that's what, I'm not, no, I wasn't being dramatic. Um, so, they got, she was didn't want him to kill himself so she was like oh my gosh that it would ruin everything don't do that it'll ruin everything we'll never get the money this invisible guy in new york it'll net will never get the money if you kill yourself oh my gosh um and then later he was like oh i didn't mean anything by the by, by the, the poison or the gun so she's just dragging things along i don't understand you know um so she was like trying to kind of be like she offered, I don't know what this means, personal rewards for the bank if they would extend the payment and telling her they just like convincing them rushing things is not going to be good for anyone. Like rushing things will never get what we want. Mm. I don't know. Like it's clear that at this point, just whatever. So, <laughs> man. Okay. So eventually she had fled to New York. Because this, I mean, you can see that this little web is being strung a little too tight here. Yeah. So, Amelia, pay attention. Okay. There's don't a do point, this. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain point where you just, you know. 500,000, yes. 750,000, no. No, that's not what I meant. <laughs> that's what I heard. I'm so, with you. I'm there. The, the web gets rung too tight. They're like, okay, we're going to arrest you. She fl- flees to New York. Eventually, they arrest her. And she was brought back to Cleveland to stand trial. So on March 10th, 1905, she was sentenced to 14 years in prison and fined $70,000, which I don't know how she's going to pay that because she knows 10% of uh, what. Well, I don't know. Like with all these different banks, and then is, I don't know. Isn't her husband going to pay it? I feel like her husband's just going to pay it. I don't know what he had to say about any of this. I know. He's like, I feel like he's silent. just like, oh, geez. Yeah. I, you know, but here's the thing. She, he could easily be like, oh, she's crazy. That's true. You know, I don't know yeah. about her. I mean, anyway, so she died a year after she was put in prison. She ended up dying in 1906 at Ohio Aww. State Penitentiary. It's a rough ending. So for a while, and this, Let's go back to the roadmap for a second. Because for a while, the Chadwick Mansion became a tourist destination, but was then um, tore down to build a church, which is too bad because that, I mean, that'd be great. I feel like that is an early 1900s tourist destination. Visit the home of the world's woman's 
greatest con artist. artist. I always think about how when we talk about our road trip, I always think about the the family, what's the bender, the bloody benders, and how their house, like everyone just tore it apart. And then a rust there was a historical marker at yeah. the rest stop. That's the part that gets me. But yeah, people just came and pulled a sliver until it was it's gone. Just wild. So she did have um her break in pop culture. Oh. Um this had become the subject of a Canadian TV sh- or a Canadian TV movie called Love and Larceny. Oh. Was just it was made in 1985. Oh, I bet This that's sounds bad. awful and you know, we should do a movie night and watch it. We should cuz we could watch the Lizzie Borden <gasps> Christy Ricci. Ooh, yeah, let's do the that. The Lifetime Lizzie Borden movie. Yeah. I meant um, to say that. And then I think yeah, that's what I got. But yeah, a Cana- here's the thing. TV movies are bad. We know this. Canadian TV movies, I don't imagine, are very good. I would agree. And then it's called Love and Larceny. I just, I do like that title. I do too. I'll say I like the title. That might be the title for this episode. <gasps> Ooh, Love and Larceny. 1985. Love it. Love, it. Love all of it. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's that's it that's a story and i think that there's a lot like it sounded like there were so many more banks that we didn't even cover like yeah she was ambitious no she just did not give up like talk about committing to character she was in it to win it i just i can't believe that i wish you know i I just love it i think it's so funny i just here's the thing like if you could get away with that what a life. But how do you get away with that? I mean, she almost did. She kind of did for a while. No, she was put in prison, and then she was put in prison again. <laughs> and then she was, like, charged as a teenager. Yeah. She okay. didn't stop her. She's addicted to forgery. Oh. That sounds like a Lifetime movie, too. I'm really glad we used, like, online payments when we, like, exchange money so I don't have to worry about your bad checks. I'm not gonna write bad checks. <laughs> I wouldn't do it to people I knew. <laughs> i love how so often i incriminate myself (laughs) on this podcast and finally there's some balance we've never covered a con artist well we need to do more of that (laughs) (laughs) all right that's all i have do you have any nope well thank you everyone for listening thank you to all of our patrons don't forget to rate us and review us and tell your friends and bye bye You sound good. Sounds good. Sounding good. Are we starting? We are definitely recording. Cool. (laughs) (coughs) Hold on, I gotta hack it out. Wait, can we go back? Do we know if the baby was his? I feel like I should have looked that up. I'm cutting that for real. (laughs) That's not even a joke. I love how you always have to poke holes and everything. I worked so hard on this one, and then I went back to look at it, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. (laughs) All right, tell me more. Um, who's Andrew Carnegie? Yeah, so I was gonna look that up too. have to do you not have it in your notes i i had it in my notes to look it up amelia got so sick (laughs) yesterday 
I've been sick for the last couple days, but anyway. Hold on. Ugh. You have to put who Andrew Carnegie I know, is. it's really important. I was hoping you wouldn't do this to me on the air. Roger the babies.